1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
2: Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Sleep is one of the most important aspects of our health and most of us don't get enough of it. And when your children and teens are growing up, there are many different hurdles to a good night's sleep. So today we're going to be discussing those and safe sleep and we would love to hear from you. Uh, so last week uh, we talked we kind of had just like a bunch of random topics, but before the show really got going, we we talked a lot about um, uh, New Year's resolutions, and Lacey mentioned uh, that one of hers is to just be healthy, that she wasn't going to put like a set thing of I'm going to diet, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to do this, that, I'm just going to be healthy. Uh, And we talked about just how important that is to just kind of take off the stigma of dieting and saying you have to do this, 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 um, but just trying to focus on getting healthy. Um, And so, yes, diet and exercise is definitely a part of that and making sure you're trying to eat healthy um, and making sure you're getting at least 30 minutes of activity five times a week, which is what is recommended by the American Heart Association. Um, So all of that is very important. But one thing that we don't think about is sleep. And sleep is just as important. Uh, when you are trying to lose weight, if you have noticed, um, a lot of times if you aren't a good sleeper, um, it makes it even harder to lose the weight. And that it has to do a lot with the hormones and the different things that can change if you are not sleeping well at night. Uh, but sleep is just super important when it comes to all different aspects of our health. So it's kind of one of those things that a lot of people put on the back burner. And um, especially I feel like here in America, you know, we're always go, 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 go. And people always like to talk about how busy they are and all the different things they're doing. And then you think about all these successful people and you hear these stories about how they wake up early in the morning and they stay up late at night doing all the things and, and you feel like that pressure on yourself that you have to, you know, stay awake to make sure you're getting everything done because many days you feel like there's just not enough hours in the day. However, we really do need to prioritize sleep uh, because it can make such a big, big difference in our lives, Um, especially if you have health problems that you know about, like high blood pressure, uh, diabetes. Um, If your kids are getting sick a lot, you know, I I always know, you know, I, I was pretty, didn't sound the best last week. I didn't feel that bad, but I didn't sound the best. But my body was just tired because I had to work in the hospital over Christmas break um, for two weeks. And whenever I finish those two weeks in a row, my body is just dead. Um, and especially last time because of all the other activities that we had going around just around the holiday time. Um, but I always get sick, never feels <laughs> after my two weeks in service in the hospital because my body's just tired. Um, and so, you know, if your kid's getting sick and, and um, you can always look and see kind of how their sleeping patterns are. And, you know, here we are guilty of it as adults and we're giving and setting these impressions for our kids too. You know, we talk all the time about how our children are watching us. Um, and so if our kids see us, you know, cramming everything in, staying up late at night, you know, not prioritizing sleep, then how do we expect them to? And so we have to set good examples. And this is totally pot calling the kettle black (laughs) right here because I am a terrible sleeper, always have been. And, uh, but I know it's something that's very important. And so I, I told my husband last night, my new goal is to just put my phone away at 9 o'clock at night and just not even look at it anymore. I was not very successful with that last night, but maybe at like 9.30 I put it away, uh, but I tried. So that is, you know, we have to try to start making the effort so that our kids can also see us putting in that effort so that they will see how important it is to make sure that they're getting sleep. Um, so like I mentioned, it can have such a big effect on all of our different um on uh, our health in general. And so if you have other underlying conditions, it's really important that we're making sure that we're getting sleep. So, if you're not getting enough sleep, it can raise the level of cortisol. Um, cortisol is one of our stress hormones and it is involved with a lot of different things um, uh, obesity cortisol you know it is the stress hormone it can increase your appetite it can increase your sugar um, it is the one of the um, hormones that's involved in that flight or flight that you have experienced before um, and so it can actually make mood disorders worse too so you know if you're an anxious person lack of sleep can actually make that worse um, because it can raise like I said the cortisol, which can also uh, make that exacerbate that anxiety and depression. Um, And again, you know, if you're you're overweight and you're trying to lose weight, having those stress hormones like cortisol um, will only increase your appetite. And I have definitely found that to be the case that, you know, then whenever I've had to stay up late or not gotten a lot of sleep, um, whether it be like staying up, you know, 24 hours with residency or having a newborn baby or even just staying up trying to catch up on work stuff. uh, You know, the next day I'm always starving. Um, That is just kind of one of the things that I need to do to help me keep keep me stimulated the next day is to eat so that I can stay awake. Um, It can also lead to the development of insulin resistance. And this kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with that cortisol being raised. Um, But, you know, if you are prone to developing diabetes, or if you have diabetes, um, like I said, inadequate sleep may lead to insulin resistance, which can only exacerbate your problems. Um, it can also hamper the production of interleukin one, um, which is one of the cytokines that is involved with your immunity. So, if you are not sleeping well, like we mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, and I notice this in myself every single time I come off service in the hospital um, and I've been busy and I've run my body down and I haven't slept like I should, um, I get sick. Never fails. And so you may notice that too, that your kids um, during busy seasons and then especially with the fall and winter time when it's cold and flu season, that they just can't seem to not catch it. It's just like we're always sick. Well, we really need to look and make sure that we're prioritizing their health and we're making sure they're getting good sleep. And then the other thing is um, for our kids, another big one that we see a lot of problems with is our kids who already have some attention problems. So kids with ADHD, um, we see that all the time that they have uh, exacerbation of their symptoms when they haven't been able to sleep. Again, we all are kind of like, if you have not slept well, you know, and the next day you're trying to work, you just feel kind of in a fog, you know, your brain's just not really um, firing like it should. Well, think about if you already have some underlying problems focusing, you know, we're doing a disservice to our children, too. So we want to make sure that we're giving them enough sleep. Um So we know that if you are, I mean, I saw a statistic that said two-thirds of high school kids report getting less than eight hours of sleep on school nights. That's a a lot of kids affected. Two thirds. And I don't even want to know what the report is for the adults. I couldn't find it, but I'm sure it's (laughs) probably 80% of adults aren't getting more than eight hours of sleep at night. Um, So that is a lot of people that are affected by this. And everybody out there listening, I'm sure, probably has experience with having some bouts of insomnia, or maybe you suffer from chronic insomnia. So we're going to talk a little bit about what are some lifestyle things that you can do. I was going to talk some about medicines because I feel like we always get asked um, in clinic about medicines, if there's anything that they can take. Um, so I'll go over some of the medicines that we, we use to help people um, fall asleep. And then we'll talk about just, you know, some of the other safe sleep things and some other conditions that happen like sleep apnea. We can talk about restless leg, bedwetting, all the different things that can be associated with sleep. Um, I mentioned before the break just how important sleep is to our health. Um, it can affect all different kinds of things like our hormone levels, especially cortisol, which can make anxiety worse, depression worse. Um, it makes us potentially gain weight with increasing our appetite. It can lead to insulin resistance. Um, it can also affect some of the hormones and cytokines that are involved in our immunity, which makes means you're going to be more prone to getting sick. There's just all kinds of things that can happen to our bodies when we are not getting enough sleep. So we're talking today about the importance of sleep. We're going to talk some about some different things that you can do um, to help you sleep. And I'm going to talk about some medicines, too, because I feel like that's just always a question that we get asked. So you can always send us an email as well to kids at mpbonline.org. We do have a caller. We've got Mikey from Mobile Own. Hey, good morning, Mikey.
0: Hey, good morning, Dr. Morgan. It's wonderful to hear you as usual. Um, always informative, and I just wanted to add one other thing before you moved on to, you know, things that we can try to do to fix ourselves with what happens. Is you know, it, it, and this is something that is so beyond any of our power. Um, uh, uh, the daylight savings time switch. It happens twice a year. And and in addition, you know, it's like, I mean, on more planetary, you know, note um, the solstice itself, right? So, you know, the the changes in daylight and nighttime and hot and cold and, you know. But the daylight savings time thing seems to, you know, it's an instant glitch in everybody's routine. Even my dogs, you know. Yes. Even my dogs, you know, because they're going... Well, you got to get up at 3.30 and let us out. Yeah. You know, I'm going, you know, I'm going, that's fine because you're dogs, you know. You, you, you're you serial sleepers. You sleep for 90 minutes and you're awake for an hour. I'm not. I'm a human being. Exactly. Know? I, gotta, I You know, it's like, so i got to get up and let you out. And then they go back to sleep and they're happy, dippy, dippy, happy, happy. But I'm going... Mm-hmm. How am I going to go back to sleep before four thirty? I get <laughs> you know? it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just using them as an example because I don't want to insult anybody's children.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say when daylight savings time was coming, I was I was dreading it so bad this year because. Um, My oldest has never been a great sleeper, and I just knew it was going to throw us off. And, oh, it did. For a good two weeks, it really, really threw her off. She just could not figure out how to stay asleep anymore, kind of like you were saying, um, because, you know, it it just throws your whole body off. I wish they would do away with daylight savings time. (laughs) I'm sure there's some reason they do it, but I just don't really. I hate it.
0: Well, nobody's told the sun, apparently, or the moon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, they ain't changing it. Um, uh, but uh, it, it, thank you for um, entertaining that thought, uh, because everybody, misery loves company, right? Agree. Uh, but no, my dog, and now we've just gotten settled into, just now that we've passed the solstice, just now, they've gotten settled into I actually get to sleep till 5.30 sometime, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, which is, but, but, um, uh, but we're just, that means that we are on the short end of getting back to where it flips back over again. I know, okay? right, right. <laughs> right. But, um, but, uh, as far as, as far as things that might help, um, and I don't always do them um uh, but i do do some of them uh when i've got the back pain thing going on because i have breakthrough back pain from a previous injury sometimes um i have a sock a small sock full of lentils that uh, i've had for years and i microwave that and heat it up and that helps because i don't want to take any more drugs than i have to mm-hmm. yeah and um and, uh, you know, and so, and, and then put it on that spot, you know, that mm-hmm. that is, and I do it before it gets too bad because once it gets too bad, it, it may be bad for a couple of weeks or more. Yeah. Um, but, um, but as far as just taking care of the, the overnight sleeping, sometimes melatonin, I haven't done that in a long time, even though I know it's, it's not a drug, it's actually a hormone. It's, um it's anyway you know more you you can i'll let you talk about that but um and the other thing is um there's um something called um oh i can't remember the name of it but it's a sleep tea you know i'm I'm sure you know about that one yeah
2: there's all different kinds of sleep teas and most of those teas have like chamomile in them or valerian root those are two of the big ones that are also pretty helpful for sleep
0: yeah, and blends of them. So anyway, thank you again, Doctor Morgan, for being who you are and helping us so much.
2: Oh, thank you, Mikey, for your kind words, and thanks for calling in and listening. Happy New Year to you too. So, um, so Mikey, that was the perfect segue into one of the things that I was going to start talking about, um, which is the melatonin. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I feel like probably throws us off a lot with the daylight saving time is just how dark it gets so early so fast. So our body naturally makes melatonin um, as it is starting to get darker outside. And that is one of the hormones that helps our body get ready to go to sleep. And so that's part of the reason why with it getting dark so early, why you just feel tired, you know, like when it's dark um, and you're not exposed to as much sunlight, your body just feels more tired. And that has a lot to do with those different hormone levels. Um, and the opposite, you know, when we went to Hawaii, uh, not Hawaii, excuse me, Alaska this summer, my husband and I did. And in the summertime, as you know, in Alaska, it stays light for, oh, it feels like all day. I feel like it never went down. But I think it it did get kind of dark at a uh, few hours of the night. Um, but it's the complete opposite. Like we would go to bed at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and the sun was still shining. It's crazy. My husband went fishing with a friend up there. um, and he was sending me pictures at 1115 at night, and it literally looks like it was 10 o'clock in the morning. It's crazy. Um, so you can have the complete opposite problem when you're getting too much sunlight that you feel like your body can just never reset. So that really plays a big role in our bodies getting ready for bed. Um, and that's just a natural thing that happens. So um, melatonin can be a really good thing to kind of help your body reset, you know, especially for our patients who um, work shift work. So I have a fair amount of patients who work the night shift and, you know, trying to get your body reset to sleep during the daytime when you've been up all night and it's dark and you're, you know, and now you're coming back to where you're trying to sleep and it's bright outside um, can be really tricky to your body. And that, you know, melatonin can be really helpful in those kind of situations. So When I think of insomnia and I'm talking to my patients about insomnia, you know, there's two really kind of main types. You know, you have the people who can't fall asleep and then you have the people who can fall asleep, but they can't stay asleep. Um, And so everybody is different, you know. I can fall asleep at the drop of a hat, but I can't stay asleep. I'm like what you were talking about, Mikey, when you go let your dogs out and then you go back to bed and you can't fall back asleep. Um, Or, you know, our patients who get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and then they get back in the bed and then they can't fall back asleep. Um, Those honestly can be a little bit trickier because we do have melatonin. We do have good bedtime routines and things like that that can help the people who can't fall asleep. It's our insomniacs who can't stay asleep that can be a little bit tricky. And then sometimes we have to go to medicines for that. Um, So we're going to kind of talk about that and what are some good habits that you can do for going to bed if you're one of those people who can't fall asleep. And then I'll talk about some different medicines and things that you can do if you're the people who can't stay asleep. Um, And so... I'm kind of gearing this a little bit towards kids, but this is also for adults as well. Um, but a bedtime routine is so important. Um, you know, our kids thrive on consistency. Um, and so getting them into a routine is super important. So, you know, typically you want to like, Um, you don't have to give them a bath every night, but for some reason, bath time just kind of usually goes along with our kids and their, and their bedtime routines, but bath and then maybe reading your book, drinking your bottle or your milk, brushing your teeth and then getting ready for bed. And that doesn't have to be whatever, I mean, that's just kind of what we do at my house, but it doesn't have to be what you do at your house. You know, you can do whatever you want to. It's just more of creating that routine. And then it kind of, you know, we're all creatures of habit. You know, we know we like to have a routine. We like to keep, a, we like our bodies like a habit and a routine. So, you know, it just kind of lets your body know, okay, well, I took my bath. Now I'm going to go drink my milk and I'm going to brush my teeth. And then it's time for me to get in bed. Um, so the same thing that we're doing for our kids, we need to be doing for ourselves as adults as well. Um, and so your routine can look, however it may be, you know, it may be you don't drink your milk before you go to bed like a kid would, um, but maybe you like to have a glass of I mean, a cup of tea like we were talking about, like some of those sleepy time teas to help you settle down. Or um, for some people, it's a glass of wine. Or, you know, for some people, it's reading a book. Whatever your wine down is, um, that's fine. You just got to kind of find your routine. Um, and then again, the other big thing is no TVs, no phones, no tablets, no computers, <laughs> because that is one of the biggest distractors and one of the biggest things to keep people awake. Um, number one, I mean, obviously, when you are own it, you're just you're not going to be focused on trying to go to sleep, and you're going to be reading, you're going to be watching the TV, whatever it may be that'll keep you awake. The other thing is, is those blue lights uh, that you know are on the different wavelengths that can affect your melatonin. And so, you know, we were, I was talking about like when I was in Alaska and it just stayed daylight all the time. Um, I never could really get settled to go to sleep. Um, And it's the same thing, the blue light, it affects those levels of melatonin and it keeps you more awake and you never really get those higher levels of melatonin, um, which can affect you being able to actually fall asleep. So get your devices away, turn your TVs off. A lot of people don't even have TVs in their bedroom for that purpose. Um, so you want to make sure that you're trying to get all of those devices and put them away um, so that you can get ready to go to bed and have a good night's sleep. Uh, we got another caller, Jesse, who is in Flowood. Good morning, Jesse. What's going on?
1: Uh, good morning. Um, over the years, I've had issues with sleep um, because I turned 38. And my biggest issue is uh, not so much going to sleep, but uh actually staying asleep, I'll wake up a lot and then not be able to go back to sleep. But another issue I've had over the years uh, that's developed actually the older I've gotten is uh, night terrors. Uh, Not just nightmares, but actual full-blown terrors uh, that I've been dealing with. And uh, not really sure how to deal with them, and I want you know just some advice on what you might recommend.
2: Yeah, so night terrors are one of those things that are just—it's hard. Um, do you like? Are those? Are they happening earlier in the night, or are they happening later in your sleep? Like when you're in your deeper sleeps?
1: Uh, usually later in the evening when I'm deeper asleep. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had some earlier, but usually they're much much
2: later in the evenings yeah so those are probably you know the we differentiate night terrors nightmares only because they happen at different times of sleep um because night terrors tend to happen and sleepwalking tend to happen more in your earlier uh, cycles of sleep as opposed to nightmares which happen in your deeper sleep um so that's the only reason i ask that because there can it can be a little bit trickier So one thing I would think about, too, is any medicines that you're taking. Sometimes medicines can really affect that. Um, I've had, and I don't know if you take any medicines. You may not take any. But there are certain medicines that I have found that have been worse for those. some other things that sleep doctors can do sometimes is, like, some cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which I know sounds, you know, a little weird, and that is. But that is one of the first-line treatments for a lot of these uh, our sleep disorders, whether it be um, nightmares, night terrors, and insomnia in and of itself. We do that a lot of times. So our sleep doctors can actually help you with that, too. Um, and then the other thing would be addressing any underlying mood disorders, you know, maybe going and talking to your doctor and making sure that you don't have any, there's lots of questionnaires and uh, screening tools that we can do, um, to help you with like making sure you don't have underlying anxiety and depression too. So those would be the three biggest things I would start with looking at your medicines and supplements that you're taking, um, talking to a sleep doctor, potentially about doing some of the cognitive behavioral therapy and working through some of that. And then making sure you don't have any underlying mood disorders that haven't been treated.
1: All right. Um, I do know for a fact I do have some of those, uh, the biggest one being uh, borderline personality disorder. So that – might have something to do with
2: it yeah and so if that's the case you know um you may want to talk to somebody about getting in some medicines to kind of help with the, the mood stabilizer and some therapy the cognitive behavioral therapy tube and essentially what that's doing is it's trying to focus on um, your underlying problem and working through some of the different ways whether it be you know figuring out some methods that would be helpful to you, but also looking introspectively and seeing what are some of your triggers for that too. So I I would look into talking to a sleep specialist um, and seeing if they can't help you get started with some of those therapies.
1: All right, I will do that, and I appreciate your time. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jesse, for your call. We appreciate that. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC, and today we are talking about sleep. So we have had some good calls, and we've got some open phone lines, so if you have any questions or comments about sleep, we would love to hear from you. You can always send us an email as well to kids at mpbonline.org. So we had another caller who called in asking about melatonin in kids and melatonin supplements in kids and if it's okay to give it to them um, every night. So I would not recommend giving it to them every night. Is it okay for kids to take? Yes, it is okay for kids to take. I wouldn't start it until they're at least two preferably a little bit closer to three. Um, But if you needed to, you could give it, I think, as early as two. But I would try to wait till they got to be a little bit older. Um, With regards to giving it every night, you know, I I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world if you have to. You know, there's a lot of our children who have – ADHD who are on medications, who have trouble falling asleep because of their medicines, and a lot of them take it every night. And that's okay um, because we know that can be a side effect of the medications. It can also be part of the condition of ADHD where they just have a hard time settling and going to bed. But if it's just to give it just because your kid you know is not the best sleeper, then I would be a little bit more hesitant to do that. Um, A lot of times I will tell parents to do it to kind of like reset things so you know uh, for example uh, we just had Christmas break and a lot of our kids probably stayed up late over the break most kids were out for like three weeks at a time and so that has just really probably thrown them off and now you're trying to get them back into school and they have to get up early and it's just you know they're trying to reset their body totally fine to give it during this time period while you're trying to get them to reset um You know, or over the summer break, it may be hard for your kid to go to sleep because they're not having to get up as early and get ready for school. And so they've just kind of are all thrown off. And so it's fine to give it during that time period as well. So that being said, um, you know, is it okay to give kids melatonin? Totally and is it okay to give it to them every day? Yes, in certain situations. I would like to think of melatonin more as a reset medicine when you're trying to like get your body, you know, get them back into a rhythm. Um, but again, there are certain situations where kids need it every day and that can be okay. It is technically all natural, um, but it is a supplement. And so, you know, it's not FDA regulated and you have to be careful when it comes to all of that kind of stuff. So if you can find other ways to help your kids sleep, I would look for that but melatonin is a great option if you need to um we do have another caller wendy good morning wendy what's going on
0: good morning um i was listening to your to your program i lived in alaska for quite a while mm. and um i i fortunately got used to the you know 15 hours of daylight and then three hours of daylight in the winter time. but um that's what they made a.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say that's what everybody said when we talked to them. But I, the week I was there, it just totally threw me off. I guess you do get used to it, but it is a it's a crazy experience.
0: It is. It takes a while. They have these. I don't know if you ever saw. It, you might not have seen these. they are these lights that are like a. They look like a moon kind of, and they slowly brighten during the winter time, like December, especially with winter solstice when it gets the shortest day. Um, and they slowly lighten in the morning so that it kind of simulates, you know, sunlight. It doesn't but... do anything for your melatonin, but, you
2: know. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't seen those. But, I mean, I would think you would have to have something like that living
0: there. Yeah, you do. I, fortunately, I worked in a hospital. I was, you know, worked in a psychiatric ward. So um, I worked 12 hours a day. I, sometimes I got there in dark and went home in dark. But... Um, It made it a little easier for me. Um, But I have a lot of sleep issues now. Um, I have insomnia where I can't go to sleep, and I also, if I wake up, I can't go back to sleep. I try to sleep in a dark room. I turn off the television, try to, you know, I do some yoga sometimes, different things to try and calm myself. But a lot of times I wake up in a couple hours, or if somebody wakes me up a few hours later, I can't go back to sleep.
2: Yeah, and I don't know how old you are, Wendy, but a lot of that just happens as you get older. Unfortunately, yeah, um, I'm older. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just as you get older, your just sleep habits just get all thrown off, um, and you do have a harder time. You just the length of time you sleep as you get older just seems to get shorter for most people. Now, this is not always the case, but for most people, that does just tend to happen. Um, and you know, if you've tried. Yeah.
0: I remember hearing that. Yeah. When I was younger, older people said, well, we don't sleep
2: as much now. Yeah, you just don't sleep as much for some reason. And then a lot of that, a lot of people, especially once they hit retirement age and they're not sleeping as much through the night, take naps during the day, which also just kind of creates a cycle. (laughs) Uh, Because when you take a nap during the day, then that throws your sleep cycle off at night even more. But then they're tired because they're not getting as much sleep at night. And and so it can just be a frustrating thing. Um, And in those situations, that's a lot. A lot of times where i do use medicines you know I, I mean we obviously we try not to give people medications if we don't have to but I also know how important sleep is. Um, and if you have tried all the things, you know, you've tried melatonin, you tried get, getting yourself a, sleeper, a good sleep hygiene is what we call it, with taking all your devices out um, of yep. the room, you know, blackout curtains, keeping it dark, sound machine, all the other things, and you're still not able to sleep. You know, that's when I feel like a medication is something that I would try and recommend um, just because it, yeah. it sounds like you've tried all the things um, and if you're still not sleeping then you you may need a, a little medicine to help you sleep at night and there's lots of different everybody's afraid of sleep medicines um, and there are certain sleep medicines that I would be hesitant to give but there's a lot of medicines out there that are very safe and that we can use to help you sleep now.
0: Yeah I know there are a few that cause I don't know, sleepwalking, different things, but um, I haven't tried any of them, so I can't really say. Yeah. I, my, my, I have a girlfriend who's 75, and, and she takes a nap in the afternoon. She sleeps pretty good at night. You know, once in a while, she doesn't sleep well, but she can go right back to sleep. I can't. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's just not fair when you talk to those people coming from a fellow insomniac. <laughs> It's just not fair. Those people, I just don't understand. It's not fair.
0: I don't either.
2: I don't get it. But, but we do have a lot of medicines that can be very helpful and can be safe. You know, a lot of the medicines that we use now, and that's actually what I was just about to talk about, um, the, a lot of the medicines that we use now are a lot of our old antidepressant medicines that we have found not to be as successful for depression because a lot of the side effects in particular are mm-hmm. making you sleepy. Um, and so a lot of the medicines that we use to help you sleep now are actually just some of our old antidepressant medicines that are actually pretty safe um, and work pretty the- well to help you sleep.
0: Yeah, I've tried um, Oh Yeah.
2: Did yeah. it help you um, at all?
0: Um, it seems like it did for like a few days and then it, like I developed tolerance to it and it didn't really work so much after that.
2: Yeah. And Trazodone is one that a lot of times we'll start at really low doses, um, you know, yeah. 25 to 50 milligrams. Um, and you can actually go up to like 300 milligrams for Trazodone. So a lot of times uh-huh. you just kind of have to make some dosage adjustments because we always start at the lowest dose. Um, but it may be that you just needed to go up on your dose a little bit. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Well, thanks. Thank yeah, thanks for calling Wendy. It sounds like you've tried all the right things. Um, and in that situation is just where I would recommend maybe talking to your doctor about getting on medicine. So um, that was the perfect segue, Wendy, into what I was going to talk about next, which is sleep medicines um, and when you should get a medicine. And so I feel like Wendy is the perfect candidate. So if you were out there listening and you're like, that's me, um, I've tried all the things I've done. I've you know done blackout curtains, I've got a sound machine, I've done all the relaxation apps I could find, I've read, I've tried everything I can to help me go to sleep and I still can't sleep or I still can't stay asleep, then you are the perfect candidate for a medicine. And so that's what I want to talk about in the last little bit of time we have left. And we have talked a lot about the importance of sleep and what it can do to your body if you are not getting enough sleep. Uh, we talked about important sleep hygiene, and we talked a lot about melatonin. And I was gonna try to use this last bit of time we have left to talk about medicines. Our last caller talked about. It sounds like she has tried everything. She has, you know, made it a good sleep environment. She's tried all these different medicine, um, you know, meditations, yoga, different routines to kind of help her settle, and she still can't sleep. She, you know, cutting out naps during the day. That's another big thing too. If you're Um, you know at home and you're retired and you're not working then you may be more prone to going and taking a little nap in the afternoon um, which can really throw off your sleep so cutting out naps and you've tried all the things and you still can't sleep then it may be a good time to talk to your doctor about a sleep medicine Um, melatonin we talked about a lot is a good option it's just a natural over-the-counter medicine that you can get it is um, built all it's a supplement that's supposed to mimic our natural hormone that we have in our bodies that help us fall asleep. Um, and so you can get that over the counter. Some of the other over-the-counter sleep aids, like I've seen some, um, there's one that I've actually taken and I really liked. Um, it's called like the, I can't remember who made it, z maybe, um, but it's an extended Release melatonin is what they call it, which I, didn't, I don't think that's really possible. But, you know, some of the other stuff that they have in there, which is like valerian root um, and chamomile is another thing. And those also can be very helpful for it. Lots of people have jumped on the magnesium bandwagon, too, that they think magnesium can help them sleep. I don't know that there's a ton of evidence that magnesium is that great of a sleep aid. Um, but it may help you settle a little bit, and um, it's fine to take. It's not going to hurt you. You know, The only thing, magnesium, you just have to be careful because uh, it can upset your stomach and make you have diarrhea if you take too much magnesium. But for the most part, magnesium is not going to hurt you, too. So those are all kind of natural things that you can try. Um, to help you settle and go to sleep, uh, but when it comes to medications, you know we have a medicine out there called Ramelteon, which can is a, a melatonin receptor agonist, so it works on the same receptors as melatonin, and so it is a prescription medicine. It's a little bit stronger kind of version of melatonin, um, a very easy benign medication, doesn't have many interactions, and should be safe for most people to try. Um, I have not found a ton of success with it, uh, to be honest, but it is a good medication to start with if you're kind of hesitant to be more aggressive with some of the other prescription medicines. Um, It is, like I said, a prescription, so you do have to get it from your doctor, but it is a pretty good, easy medication that you can start with. Um, Another medicine that I use a lot for sleep, and our caller mentioned earlier that she tried, is trazodone, um, which is an old antidepressant medication. We still use it for depression some, but most of the time we really don't use it for depression because it makes people so sleepy. Um, And the way it works is it works on your serotonin, and it can be very helpful for helping you go to sleep. It is one, though, that a lot of times I have to make medication a dosage adjustment soon, uh, because I always start uh, at the lower side with like 50 milligrams. Um, but most people need about 100 to 150 milligrams. So maybe you have tried trazodone and it wasn't as successful for you. Um, you may want to talk to your doctor about adjusting uh, the dose because it may be that trazodone actually works for you. You just need to have the, the dose adjusted a little bit. Um, There's also some more antidepressants that we use, again, that don't really use as much for depression anymore just because of the side effects, um, which make you sleepy, Um, and that's going to be like mirtazapine or Remeron. Um, That's another one that I use a lot in my elderly patients, and it helps, it's a very, it's pretty safe for the most part. Um, it's one that we can use in our elderly patients and not going to have too many side effects. The other nice thing about um, Remeron is is it's good, um, it can actually increase your appetite some too. So a lot of times in my geriatrics patients as they're getting older, they're not eating as much and they're having some problems with weight loss. And so Remeron is a good option or mirtazapine is a good option uh, because it can stimulate their appetite and it can also help them sleep. And um, so that's a good option too, but you do have to be careful because if you're a person who doesn't want to gain weight, uh, the rimarine can actually make you gain weight too. Um, amitriptyline, Elavil, Doxapin, those are all medicines too that we can use to help you sleep as well that are old antidepressants and just have some other side effects that can make you be sleepy. Um, Seroquel is another medicine that we use it's an antipsychotic medication and so we'll use that a lot of times too as patients get older it's one that tends to be tolerated a little bit better um, and so a lot of times I'll use this for patients too um, well you can just use it in general for sleep but I'll use it a lot of times too in my elderly patients who have some kind of you know some dementia but maybe not like full blown Alzheimer's dementia but we're starting to have some memory problems uh, because you know Those kind of – those memory issues, dementia, tend to get worse and the confusion gets worse at nighttime. The sundowning, you've heard that term before. Um, And so Seroquel can be a really good option for those patients um, who are just having some trouble with that. Again, you can use it in anybody, but I'm just trying to – like if you're out there listening and you – maybe this triggers something for you, you have a family member or you yourself. These may be good options to talk to your doctor about. Um, We had another caller ask about giving melatonin to kids, and it's totally fine. And I mentioned that a lot of times our kids with ADHD who can't sleep, whether it be from their hyperactivity or from their medications, melatonin is a great option. Um, Another option that we give a lot of times for our kids with ADHD is clonidine. Um, and people out there listening, maybe clonidine—that's a blood pressure medicine, and it is. It's a very old blood pressure medicine um, that we try to avoid all the time if we can as internal medicine doctors. We hate it for blood pressure, <laughs> but it does make you sleepy and it does settle you, kind of. Um, so it just kind of calms you a little bit. It works in the alpha receptors in our body, and it can be really good at calming our kids. And you can actually use it just for ADHD too. Um, so it is a good medication to use. So. Maybe you're listening out there and your kid has ADHD or your grandchild um, and they have a hard time settling. You may want to ask your doctor about clonidine uh, because it can be a very effective medication for our kids with ADHD. Um, Some of the other medicines that we'll use in adults um, to help them sleep are the Ambien and Lunesta. Um, Those are the ones that everybody hears about that can help you sleep really well if you've ever taken one that you get some good sleep on it. Um, However, if you don't go to sleep when you take it, you can do some really crazy things. (laughs) And so that's when, you know, people get really scared about Ambien and you hear all these horror stories about people sleepwalking or getting in their car and driving or cooking or doing crazy stuff. And those are the people that usually don't go to sleep on Ambien. So Ambien and Lunester are some of those medications. They work very similar to our benzodiazepines like Clonopin, Advan. all those medications that you've heard about. So they work very similar, but they're non-benzodiazepine medications. Um, So they technically don't have the addiction potential, although a lot of people can become dependent on them. They technically don't have that addiction potential, and they're actually pretty safe medicines. Uh, we don't like to use them, though, in our patients as they get older. And so our elderly patients, we try to avoid those medicines. They work better if you use them as needed and you don't take them every night. And again, there are medicines that you really need to take and get in the bed, uh, because if you try to stay awake on Ambien, then you're going to do crazy stuff. So that's when you really want to try to do that, uh, when you want to get on those medicines. Some of the newer medicines, um, DeVigo, um, they work on the erect- Receptors, they're actually blockers of those, and orexin is some of the. They're associated with some of the hormones that actually keep you awake. So you're trying to block that pathway, and those medicines, Ambien, Lunesta, and these these newer class, those orexin receptor antagonists, are supposed to be really good at helping you fall asleep and stay asleep. So maybe you may be listening out there, and you're more of the I can't stay asleep. These may be better options for you too. So. Um anyway, hopefully that was helpful. I know that the last little bit was kind of all crammed in there with some medicines but I tried to give a, a few important highlights about the medicines um, that if maybe it triggered you to talk to your doctor about some of those if you're in that situation. Uh, but I appreciate everybody's calls. I feel like this was a great discussion on sleep and we know how important sleep is so make sure you're getting um, putting your best foot forward to get a good night's sleep. Uh, This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. And is funded in part from a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.